Hello, this is Corkscrew Convo's Another Theme Park Podcast. My name is Chris. And my name is DJ. And we're here today to talk about theme parks, roller coasters, barbecue, annual passes, the theater, and everything else under the sun in its time. But first, DJ, let's get that disclaimer out of the way. The views, opinions, and information expressed during the following presentation are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent organizations affiliated with those individuals. Wow, that Boom. was fast. Thank you. <laughs> I'm hearkening back to my radio days. I One of my first jobs in high school was cutting radio commercials at the local radio station. Really? I never knew that. Yep. And yet you let me do the editing. <laughs> <laughs> well... That's how you're always you're always asking, oh, what program? And I'm just always chiming in with, oh, I think this would work. <laughs> well, that's this is the first I'm hearing about you having this radio ad experience. That's very interesting. Yeah, and I've used it for a variety of things. And then at one job I had for a while, I was on the radio a lot, so it all it all worked out. I'm actually a state radio champion uh, for forensics. Uh, that's that thing where you go on weekends and you compete with other schools. I I'm the second best in my state that year. I guess it makes sense then that your name is DJ. Exactly. Just born to do it from a young age. Wow. Predestined even. That's amazing. But DJ, we're here today. We we said it. We're talking about roller coasters and all that sort of stuff. It is our 15th episode. So we of course have to mention a roller coaster that opened in 1915. Yes. And what if we mentioned more than just one? What do you say to that? Well, yeah, how about more than two? Let's get three of them in there. How does that sound? (laughs) Let's hear about it. What do you got for us? Well, we have three coasters here that opened and eventually closed, at least closed for the first time in 1915. And this was, again, like last episode, where we had a roller coaster open and close for the the Swiss National Exhibition in 1914. Uh, In 1915, we had the Panama Pacific International Exhibition in San Francisco. (laughs) Did you know about that uh, expo, DJ? No. How how do they find the people to do this? Like a country just signs up and says, okay, we're going to do this thing. Well, it's interesting. They had this exhibition in San Francisco officially to celebrate the completion of the Panama Canal the year before and also San Francisco's recovery from the 1906 earthquake unofficially. Um, I don't know why the exhibition was in San Francisco if the canal was in Panama. I I don't know how to connect those Hmm. dots. Probably just get more people there, maybe. Um, That's interesting. I remember that hearing about that quake in school. It's very terrible. It's like one of the worst Mm. natural disasters in United States history, I believe. Yes, but speaking of the Panama Canal, uh, this isn't on the outline, but it's a nice bit of... A trivia that is not theme park related that I love to share because I thought about it before and then I came up with the answer of what I thought the answer was and then I looked it up on the internet and I was correct. DJ, I'm going to ask you this question now. Okay. Who do you think was the first United States president to leave the United States while they were in office? To go to a different country and come back while they were in office? Do you know who it was? Teddy Roosevelt. Yes, that's right. That's what I thought it was, because he, yes. he was sort of all over the place. And he went down to survey the progress on the Panama Canal, and he was the first United States president to do that. Was so, I actually right? Yeah, that's right. Oh, yes. And uh, the rest is history, of course, with the Panama Canal. It's still kicking today, still doing its thing. 
Uh, but back to the Panama Pacific International Exhibition. Uh, they had a lot of notable attractions there, including several steam locomotives and a telephone wire that ran from New York to the Pacific Ocean so that all those New Yorkers could hear the Pacific Ocean. And I bet wow. that was a pretty neat experience. Wow. Uh, but, of course, the Liberty Bell also made an appearance because if there's one thing that I think about when I think about the Panama Canal, it's the Liberty <laughs> Bell. So I'm really... <laughs> so the Liberty Bell yeah, was there, just, too. And they synonymous. also had three roller coasters. Oh, okay. Roller coasters, Liberty Bells, Panama Canals. I think we just uh, came up with the episode title for this. It'll be interesting to see if that's what it actually becomes. I guess you would know, dear listener. <laughs> yes. I usually come up with the name of the episode after I've edited Wallet's rendering. I'm like, oh, I have to name this episode. And I usually come <laughs> up with a little bit of alliteration, which does seem to uh, attract some attention with listenership now and again. But we'll see what the name is. Uh, let's go over the names of these three roller coasters, one of which is a pretty unique name called Bowls of Joy. Oh, it sounds like a unique coaster we're going to talk about later on in the episode. Oh. Same, same type of name. Yes, very unique. This was a wooden coaster, and unfortunately, that's all we know about it. <laughs> there are yeah, no okay. pictures that have survived from it. We don't know what well, kind of coaster it was, other than it was wooden, and it was named Bowls of Joy. We can pretty much assume that every coaster we're going to talk about up until, what, the 50s is going to be wood? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's correct. I guess I don't have to stipulate that all these coasters we, were wooden. We, we can. <laughs> it's just it's interesting when you look and, and you realize just how modern the steel coaster really is. That's it, yeah. I mean, we, we got some non-tubular steel-tracked steel wooden coasters in the early to mid-50s with Schwarzkopf, but once those tubes started running those rails... The rest is history. <laughs> no turning back. So Bowls of Joy, what else do we have? Well, the second coaster was creatively named Racing Coaster. And again, it was a wooden coaster like <laughs> everything else at this time. And it was okay. built by LaMarcus A. Thompson. Now, is there any significance there? Not that I know of. Okay. If someone <laughs> again, knows, let us know. This is another coaster that we don't know a lot about. Okay. Okay. And Well... No, Two unique-ish names, right? We're getting less and less unique. Bowls yeah. of Joy, Racing Coaster. Yeah. you've We've mentioned it before when we've done this little opening bit where we talk about coasters that opened that coincide with the number episode we have. Um, up until now, it's just been coasters named Scenic Railway because that was a very popular uh, name for roller coasters. And, of course, the third roller coaster that was part of this exhibition... <gasps> no. Yes, it was named Scenic Railway. <laughs> uh, of course, of course. Well, yeah. we couldn't go an episode without it. You know, you're going to be with us probably until the 40s, until this name drops. Yeah, and it was a very popular name, apparently. People love to just ride on the railway and have it be scenic. Well, this was a wooden coaster. We know a little bit more about it. It was a racing coaster i think but not racing coaster the other coaster this was scenic railway there were two sides to it it was an l-shaped out and back coaster and the two sides were the red devil side and the green devil side so mm -hmm. i bet those trains looked pretty interesting yeah i'm sure they did uh it's interesting they used the the, the word devil you would think maybe it'd be a little more a uh, little more pulled back back in the day but i guess not hey you you look about some of those uh, documentaries on the history of early Coney Island, those places were 
pretty out there. <laughs> People went to these seaside piers and all these other early amusement park places to live large. <laughs> and okay. that included riding these roller coasters as well. I'll need to do my research. Well, that was the coaster or coasters that opened in 1915. There were, of course, a few other coasters, but these were the ones that we chose to highlight for this episode. But DJ, I'm not sure if this is going to be an every episode thing, but I'd like to share an idea with you in Chris's Idea Corner. Okay. So won't you join me in the corner? I will. All right, we're in the corner now. So I have an idea. Have you ever heard of Disneyland in Southern California, DJ? Um, a couple times. Haven't had the pleasure to experience it, but I have heard of the small park known as Disneyland in California a few times. Okay, well, good. It is a resort with two parks, and it's closed. It's been closed for a while now. And there's also a show called The Mandalorian that's part of Disney+. Plus. Uh. Yes, yes, I love The Mandalorian. As a Star Wars fan, I think The Mandalorian might be my favorite Star Wars anything. Wait, 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 better than The Clone Wars? Episode 2? <laughs> no, Attack on the Clones. Attack, Attack, Attack of, of the, the Clones, Clones, sir. Attack of the Clones. <laughs> that, that was the peak of cinema for me, I don't know. <laughs> but, well, it's all about the sand. Yeah, we... Of course. I don't like sand. <laughs> no. Well, we have Disneyland. It's a park that is still closed. It might be closed for a while longer. It's mm -hmm. already in Southern California, pretty close to Hollywood. And they have, of course, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge there, a 14-acre land that is Batu, uh, and Black Spire Outpost on the planet of Batu, which is in the Star Wars universe. It is canon. But until now, we have only experienced Batu in comics and books and one name drop in the movie Solo. Other than that, Black Spire Outpost and the planet of Batu has not been a part of the Star Wars universe. But DJ, I have an idea. I think I know where you're going with this. What if they filmed at least part of an episode of The Mandalorian at Black Spire Outpost because it's already empty? <gasps> no. Wouldn't that be something? That would be corporate synergy to the max. It would be like when Full House went to Walt Disney World. It actually makes pretty good sense to me uh, when you think about that. You look at a similar land, uh, you would say, what, Wizarding World of Harry Potter at the Universal Studios and the Universal Resorts. You have Diagon Alley, you have Hogsmeade, you even have Hogwarts Castle. These are actual places that take place in the book you see it visually through the movies and they look strikingly similar if not the exact same as what they look like in the movies and star wars doesn't have this i just feel like you're you're right if you had this batu actually happen uh, in the mandalorian where mando goes to batu or uh, some sort of little nod to it i think maybe there it should be visual um you know it could be just in the actual a cantina there or maybe it's outside walking through the land um, I think it would be really cool and I think it would cause some folks to say okay now I really want to go because we know that Batu is canon um, that's great but does the average Star Wars viewer know that um, so what about the folks that only watch the movies uh, have only seen Mandalorian that's got to be a pretty good opportunity for them I would think 
Yeah, and if you get the child in a little bit of Mickey ears and you give him a Mickey balloon, that would be like shooting fish in a barrel. People would just go crazy over that. So that is my idea, DJ. I'm not sure if it will come to fruition. Of course, if they do, Disney will need to uh, pay me for that. (laughs) But we'll see what happens with that. Uh, We don't know when the Disneyland Resort will reopen. Uh, We do have some information about the Disneyland Resort that we'll be getting into shortly. But first, DJ, what is this about a review and it gets read and that sort of thing? Well, dear listener, it's very simple. You leave a review on Apple Reviews, you leave a review anywhere you find our podcast, we're going to read it. We're going to read it out loud. You're going to get a shout out. Very simple transaction. It's your opportunity to hear your name, your review read across the entire world on our digital airwaves of, to more than 50 million people in our audience. That's right. 50 million people watch, listen to Corkscrew Combos, and now it's your opportunity to be noticed. Might have been fudging. Might, might have been fudging the numbers a little bit there, um, but yes, this is your opportunity to do that. Uh, leave us a review, uh, five stars we prefer. But you know, be honest. We will read it. We'll give you a shout out. Like we said, very simple transaction, and uh, we'll we'll appreciate it. We've done it before. Let's do it again. Well, that sounds like a plan. DJ Corkscrew Convos cleared for dispatch. Let's dive in. And what's going on? Well, there are a few things going on. First, let's let's stay in Southern California because that's where we are right now. Um, my idea corner took us to Southern California, so now we're just going to go about 15 minutes northwest of the Disneyland Resort to Knott's Berry Farm, which is a Cedar Fair Park that is also closed in Buena Park, California. It's been closed for a while, and they have released some information about what they're going to do for season pass holders. Well, hopefully it's good news. I, it seems like most of these parks are doing the right thing, uh, ex- either extending a date or refunding. I'm assuming it's one of those options. Well, yes, we covered several episodes ago about what Palace Entertainment and their theme parks and water parks, what they were doing moving forward. Uh, but with Knott's Berry Farm and all other Cedar Fair parks in North America, if you had a season pass that was set up for the 2020 season, that's been rolled over to 2021 as well, in addition to any other add-ons that you have, like all-season dining, the drink plan, uh, the, the fast lanes and whatever. It's all been rolled over to 2021. But of course, now we are in 2021 as well, and Knott's Berry Farm is still closed. So they've said, and they have released, that moving forward, any days that Knott's Berry Farm is closed in 2021 will be added to the end of all of these season passes' validity for the beginning of the 2022 year. Huh. I guess that's a signal of what to maybe expect, at least in, on the western side of, of the country. I know there's other, other parks that they're going to be open like normal, except, of course, you know, Masking enforced, like we've seen earlier this year, or later last year, I should say. Masking enforced, social distancing, plastic barriers put up. It looks like with knots, it's just probably not going to happen. I'm sure there might be an inside source there, maybe, just indicating, no, probably not. So this makes sense. I'm glad that they're saying it up front very early. Um, I would say I would be happy if I already had a pass, or if I was going to buy a pass, I would feel good knowing about, hey, it's going to be extended, um, so not to worry. Um, so that being said, 
say they're open in August or September of this year. I want to go to Not Scary Farm and I live there. Um, I definitely buy season pass because it's going to be good all for next year. Well, it depends on which season pass you have because actually oh. I don't think any season pass is valid for the Scary Farm event itself. Oh, you that's have a good to have, point. That's a good um, point. It's a hard ticketed event. So, <laughs> whoops, you won't be able I, to get in there with the season pass. Totally, totally forgot about that. Totally forgot about that. Well, that, that definitely changes things. Uh, that being said, for the seasonal overlays that they like to do at some of the rides, like with their log flume as well, um, you can ride that log flume with all its scary stuff inside of it during the day. So you can get a little bit of scary farm without actually going to the hard ticketed event. I totally forgot that they did that. So I guess my arguments kind of kind of fell through. But I mean, I would feel better to know... Like, let's say August rolls around and I lived in that area and my friends are going for the day. I would definitely buy the season pass then because I know it's going to be extended to the next year. Do we know if they're going to offer maybe a prorated thing to where in 2022 for the remaining month or so I could still have a way to get in? Now, I don't believe that they have offered or given any information about that sort of option. I think it's potentially what is going to happen, like we've seen with the Palace Entertainment Parks, where they offer that prorated rate for the rest of 2022. Um, it makes sense, but we will have to wait and see if that's what they do. Okay, well, we will wait and see. Uh, again, interesting to see some of these parks that still have not opened and seeing what their options are. Uh, I feel like there's another park close by that has not opened yet. Well, yes, let's go back to the Disneyland Resort. Let's take a U-turn. We were just at Knott's Berry Farm. Now we're going back down Beach Boulevard, taking a left at Catella, and we're on our way back to Disneyland now. This is a resort with an incredibly large annual pass holder base. A lot of the visitorship is made out of repeat business from the locals because millions and millions of people live around the Disneyland Resort in Southern California. It's Orange County. And so we've been going over what different parks and different operators are doing to work out how they will adjust pass entitlements in the coming year. And finally, DJ, we do have Disneyland's answer to how they will handle annual pass holders. They won't. Oh. They won't. <laughs> mm. They are eliminating the mm -hmm. annual pass holder option for access to Disneyland. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say even without the pandemic, this was on the way. Because over the last decade, overcrowding has been such a big problem They've been raising the ticket prices every year and blocking out pass holders to which if you get the base pass option, there are several months out of the year which you won't even see access to Disneyland. You might have access to California Adventure, but not Disneyland for a lot of the year. And now all annual passes to Disneyland have been canceled and refunds have been issued. You know, I, th I feel like a lot of my friends that aren't as uh, inundated in the industry or might not know as much about it, might not follow it as well. Um, a lot of them, when I tell them about pass holders, they don't realize that Disney even had a pass holder program. They just assumed, well, they're always busy, so why would they have one? So maybe to the first-time visitor, this wouldn't hurt. It, it sounds like this is really going to maybe upset, like you said, the local residents around the Orange County area, even the, the state areas around there. Um, but you know, for someone like me, I have to fly in anytime I want to go. It's not going to hurt necessarily, or I won't feel it as bad, but probably some of those Disney bloggers too, aren't going to be too happy about that. Oof, yeah. 
Well, the way I see it with why they did this is that it makes things simpler moving forward. With Disneyland, it being usually a year-round park, just like Knott's Berry Farm, it can get pretty complicated in how they honor the season pass or annual pass entitlements when it comes to access and maybe how they'll sweeten the deal like it with Knott's Berry Farm and all the other Cedar Fair parks. If you did have a 2020 season pass set up for last year, it's been rolled over to this year and you've gotten a $50 in-park spending credit to use on food and beverage and merchandise attached to your season passes for 2021. That's a for sure? Yes, they that is a that? for sure. Wow. Okay. I, that's probably, I would say, some mitigation there then, I would yeah. say. They're trying to sweeten things a little bit for yeah. the season pass holders that have already put such a financial investment mm-hmm. in the form of a season pass or an annual pass. And they haven't been able to use it at all in 2020 for a lot of these parks. So they're, they're sweetening things a little bit in addition to extending the validity an entire additional year. Yeah, that sounds like good customer service to me. I was surprised when I saw Cedar Fair just come out and say it. All right, here's $50 for each of your season passes. If you're a family of four, that's $200 that you can spend at the park on food and beverage and merchandise. Hmm. Okay. So that's a, a big thing. But back to Disneyland, it's it's really simplifying things for them when they think of customer service by just saying... There are no more annual passes, so they have no service recovery to those. If you want to go to the Disneyland Resort when the parks reopen there, you're going to have to probably get a dated ticket where you choose a specific day to visit the park or parks um, when you want to go, thereby managing the capacity restrictions that the Disneyland Resort is almost definitely going to have to be operating under. Because I think with the current plan with California... Uh, for Disneyland to reopen, when they do, it'll have to be at 25% capacity. So that's really difficult to manage if you're juggling that restriction and also the millions and millions, I'm not sure if it's millions, but the lot of annual pass holders that are loyal to the Disneyland Resort, a lot of them go nearly every day, it feels like, or at least they used to, and uh, now they don't. Well, as small as it is, from what I have seen, I mean, it makes sense to do the data ticket. With all these overcrowding issues, it seems like before pandemic, I would see some story about every other week of the park just being absolutely overcrowded. So I guess this mitigates it as well. Um, Do you think there's going to be any different capacity going forward with how many people they do let in? Are they going to drop the number? Is that number advertised anywhere? Uh, The exact number is probably not one that we're going to see. Um, I think 25% capacity is a figure that the state gave to Disneyland when they first reopen, whenever that is. Um, I don't know what it will include to increase that capacity, but you think about how small the Disneyland Resort is between the two parks and downtown Disney. uh, It'd probably be difficult to operate at the level that they did pre-pandemic when it comes to parades where people are just shoulder to shoulder and the huge nighttime shows phantasmic and uh the the fireworks shows in front of the castle and in front of it's a small world and the rivers of america they have three different areas to view the fireworks because it's such a small park and there is so little viewing space that they try to spread people around the parks but even at all of those locations people are shoulder to shoulder Um, At least they were pre-pandemic, and of course they can't have that 
moving forward. So I would say look for some creative solutions when it comes to operations and capacity, but they are, when they reopen, they're probably going to really have some heavy restrictions that really change the Disneyland experience. What do you think this means for the future of this park? I mean, I they couldn't have done something this drastic without feeling like they're going to be safe. People are always going to come to Disneyland, whether or not we have annual pass holders or not, because, I mean, obviously, they could do the, the converse of this, where they just decide, we're going to do pass holders again. The annual passes could return in the future in some form, but... I think that they think that they don't need annual passes to get as many people into the parks as they want. Because I think back to the pre-pandemic times at Disneyland, they had a Southern California resident deal where I think it was a three-day ticket for very cheap. And hmm. it ran in the early winter of 2019 before Star Wars. And there were some days, it was February weekdays, that felt as busy as Christmas week at the Disneyland Resort. <laughs> I was shocked. Wow. I was like, oh my goodness, where are all these people coming from? And yeah, then I that's, remember... That's when I would fly out and go there. I'd be really disappointed. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's rough because you have these Christmas-level crowds, but not right. all the Christmas events and magic that bring people in. So it's just the base park offerings, which is a ton because it's Disneyland, but less than what they did in Christmas time and it's still shoulder to shoulder people are everywhere for regular park operations and regular park staffing levels compared to the holiday levels and uh, those were some rough days but we got through them <laughs> wow that's uh, interesting everything going on there uh, thinking about what could possibly happen in the future um, anything else to say on this well, for the future, I, I did say it once that I think in the release that they had where they said, all right, annual passes are gone, sorry. <laughs> they also left the door cracked open just a little bit for some sort of option for regulars who like to visit the park a lot in the future. Uh, we, of course, don't know what that will look like. Some people have been speculating that this could be maybe some sort of membership option, like what Six Flags does in the future. To that, yeah. I'd say I'm not sure because I don't know that would be if a high they price, need I feel that like. ease of access for people because then they're just in the same situation as the annual pass mm -hmm. where they have mm -hmm. so many people on that annual pass option. And they got rid of the payment plan for annual passes to try to chip away at their enormous annual pass holder base of people. So I don't know if we'll see a membership option what I do think is that they might offer options for people to buy days in bulk and maybe save a little bit of money. Um, I know they did at one point maybe have a flex pass option where you could buy a certain amount of days to use in a part of the year and save some money. We might be seeing a version of that sometime in the future, but I wouldn't uh, estimate to see that. I wouldn't anticipate seeing that um, any time in the next few years. Well, the future will hold uh, what the future holds. We will stand by and wait. We will. But DJ, speaking of the future, there is a roller coaster opening in the future, and we got a little bit more information about it. Yes, this was a project we talked about in a earlier episode uh, under the codename Time Traveler. That's Traveler with two L's. 
This is a park in Belgium, Plopsaland de Pan. We do have a name for this ride. Now, really quick to give you some context. Um, this ride is built by Mock Rides out of Waldkirk, Germany. Um, it is a spinning roller coaster. When it opens, it will hold the record for most inversions, also speed, also height on a spinning roller coaster. Uh, we can't find, I don't believe it's the longest, and I don't believe it's the steepest. Um, it might tie for steepest at 90 degrees with actual time traveler roller coaster at Silver Dollar City in Branson. Um, that being said, we see this crazy ride, this intense ride. I believe there's one, two, three, four, five inversions on this thing, two wow. launches, all while spinning, including a JoJo roll, which for you, dear listener, that might not know what a JoJo roll is, um, that's where as soon as you come out of the roller coaster station, you immediately flip upside down, but it happens very slowly. Um, and so that's an interesting experience because you'll be spinning while you do that too. Um, but that being said, all that being said, we now have the name of the ride. Are you ready for this blockbuster name, this absolute powerhouse name for this ride, Chris? I'm ready. The Ride to Happiness. Is that the tagline or the name? That is the name of this record-breaking spinning roller coaster. The Ride to Happiness. Okay. Now, there's a little context here. There's a little context here. This is themed in their Tomorrowland portion of the park in Plopsaland, which from my research, Tomorrowland is essentially a music festival that takes place, uh, I believe it always takes place in Belgium, maybe yearly. Obviously, it's not happening now, um, but it kind of coincides to that. So to me, this is, I mean, it's an extreme ride. You spend the entire time while you do this thing. Maybe this is a ride solely marketed towards teenagers and young adults. Like, it's just flat-out intense. It's flat-out crazy. Uh, you know, have fun. And we also don't know if this is like Time Traveler, uh, a spinning coaster where the spinning is inhibited uh, to where you're not experiencing a full-out flinging spin like on a, a teacup flat ride, let's say. Um, we, we don't know. Um, if someone does know, let me know. Um, but I haven't been able to find any information on that. Well, DJ, I think this name is actually pretty existential because if you think about it, roller coasters are there to create happiness, and this ride is not shy about that fact. Yeah, it really is kind of saying what it is, what all of these rides are, but I mean, I don't know. I see it as almost, uh, if you see the the art, it's almost euphoric, like you're, you're just spinning so much, and I know that's a theme at music festivals with all of the LED lights and everything and loud music. Maybe that's kind of, they're trying to go for the same feeling of just this euphoria when you're riding it because you'll be going upside down, spinning, going fast for a spinning coaster. Um, you know, I would love to ride it. It looks really cool. I'll say that. It does. Uh, I, I'm not sure if we even know what the final layout will look like. Uh, we've, we've seen what they've been building, and that has informed what we think the roller coaster will be like. There's a the strange version of a top hat that we're having. We know it'll have those two launches and five inversions, but it there looks... is a POV. There is a POV. Oh, wait, there is official from the park. I believe I've seen it. Yes. When did this happen? Uh, maybe a month ago at the earliest. I'm almost certain they released a POV. It wasn't the real ride. It was animated. I think I could totally be imagining this, but I think I've seen the whole ride. It it ends after the second launch. You do all of the inversions on the first half, and the second launch is kind of a Cobra's, uh, not Cobra's, a Copperhead Strike launch where you're 
launching over a bunny hill, and it kind of ends with a variety of overbank turns, and I think there's a helix in there maybe at the end. Wow, I have been slacking. I'm going to need to watch this POV video now. You know, it's interesting. I wonder why on that ride as well there are two launches. Time Traveler has it. If you see Time Traveler, if you ever get the chance to ride it, it's literally located in like this pit. And you assume, well, the second launch is to get back at the top of the pit where you started back at the top of, of it's not a mountain, but it's, it's on a hill, basically. And so I wonder, maybe if there's something else there, maybe the cars are super heavy, maybe it just takes more to get this puppy going, it just loses speed more than a regular ride. I mean, the cars do not look aerodynamic at all. That's another yeah, thing to those, point out. Yeah, <laughs> those are some chunky trains. Yeah, maybe, that, maybe that's why it has two launches. That would make sense. Well, okay. Well, I'm definitely going to have to look up that POV. But DJ, Aquaman, Power Splash. Oh, another mock ride. Yes. Oh, nice transition there. I like that. Look at that. Look at that. (laughs) Well, coming to Six Flags Over Texas, they had originally announced this water ride opening for the 2020 season. That did not happen for this past year But then they announced that it won't be opening for the 2021 season either. And we were speculating about why is that happening? Is this just the first of the Six Flags attractions to be pushed back another year before opening? And I think that might actually be happening with at least a few other rides in the Six Flags lineup as new attractions. Maybe the one at St. Louis as well um, has been pushed to 2022. But with this power splash which is a mock power splash it's like the latest generation of a shoot the shoots ride we've Mm -hmm. described it before where it's this huge boat that runs on a sort of a version of a pipe a pipeline no that's not it a half pipe imagine a trough imagine a trough with two rails on the bottom for the guide wheels and two rails on the side of the car for upstop wheels and it has two spikes on either end of the track and an airtime hill along the launch, just like the other mock coasters, and a basin that can rapidly flood uh, where the track is so that it has this impulse launch. It goes forwards and then backwards and maybe forwards again and maybe backwards again. And then the basin in the splash area rapidly floods so that when the, the big boat comes down, it makes an enormous dare I say, a power splash. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, very powerful. I've seen an example of this ride over in, I think it's in one of the Wallaby parks in Europe. I think it's the only one in existence. It's in Belgium? Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, tying it back to Belgium here. Here we go. Um, But they have a bridge. It's not even, you know, you see these these shoot-to-shoot rides or these raft rides where they go down this big hill and there's a cool, cool wave. There's always a bridge, like, over that wave and People can get on the bridge and get soaked. But it's interesting, on this ride, they put a bridge pretty far away to the side of the ride, and it still absolutely soaks people on that bridge. So it is a huge splash. I think each spike has to be over 100 feet in the air. Um, It it looks great. Um, But why we're telling you all this is we now know why this ride has been delayed. Uh, We didn't think it was engineering-based. This is German engineering. It's perfection. That wouldn't be an issue. Um, They are actually installing a turntable for the station. Now, what does that mean when I say turntable, Chris? Well, this means that they will have an increased capacity. They'll be able to have a higher guest carried count when it comes to putting people through the ride. They'll now be able to run two boats instead of one, where previously they would have to 
load the boat that's already on the live track. I call it live, but it probably isn't what they call it. The live track, and then it runs through the ride experience, and it ends. Then you unload the people, and then load the new people. With the turntable, this will now sort of turn in a circle, just like a record on a record player. And you'll have the live track connected when you have uh, this filled boat running through the course. And now on the other side of the turntable, that's where the station will be. And you will be having people loading and unloading while the other boat is on the track. So it will increase the capacity. Um, it's tough to say by how much. I would say you're only limited to the ride cycle that's happening if, if they were yes. efficient enough. If we want to get into the nitty-gritty of operations management, I would say if they are efficient enough, it would increase the capacity by less than 100%, I think. Right, right. And these are 20 These are twenty people boats. So you're now loading 20 people um, every, well, you're loading, four, you can't really say you're loading 40 people is what you're saying because you're yeah. not increasing it 100%. Right. It'll, I think it'll be just under that. Now, it's a mock ride. We know it's a lap bar, too. There's no seatbelt involved. At least there shouldn't be. It'll just be an easy get in, pull it down, check. Should be. Yeah, so it's definitely going to make for, in those hot Texas days, I hear it gets very hot yes. down there. <laughs> I could not believe this ride, knowing that the Wallaby version in Belgium has the turntable. Why, in Dallas, Texas, a water ride, they would not have this turntable. That did not make any sense to me. I was yeah. like, there's no way it could be budget. Could it really be? I mean, come on. And well, so now this makes sense it. to me. I mean, this yeah. makes sense to me. I think it was just an overlook, honestly. I think someone just thought, oh, we don't need it. And then might have just gotten through the cracks. And it's like, well, what are you talking about? I mean, this is better to use this downtime. Well, I guess their park is open, though, isn't it? I was going to say use the, I, I, I guess the downtime of the ride not being open at all. It would be I feel like it'd be worse to have it open for two months, three months, and decide we really want that turntable, then have to close it for however long to install a turntable when people have experienced it, their friends have experienced it, they go to the park wanting to ride it. Oh, sorry, it's closed. Might as well just get it done now. Yeah, I will say I was disappointed when it was at, when it was first announced without that turntable. But that being yep. said, going back and putting in this turntable is not an investment that I expected. Happy to see really? it, but I did not expect it at all. I okay, I, I can agree with you then there. Yeah, I, I can't say I expected it either. I mean, now that they're doing it, it's like, thank goodness. Uh, of course you're doing it, but yeah, yeah. I, I this is out of left field. I didn't even know that's something you could do. I just figured, oh, we ordered it without the turntable, that's what you get. I really okay. would be interested in that conversation of how they decided, okay, call mock back up, we're gonna add the turntable. Yeah, I'm sure if mock rides if if they want to pay mock more They'll say, oh, sure. Yeah, natürlich. Wir, wir kommen jetzt. That means we come now. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I'm sure they're happy to um, do any other enhancements that Six Flags was looking for. Because this is the first power splash coming to North America. It is also the first power splash coming to the Six Flags chain. And if there's one thing we know about Six Flags uh, new additions is they are often clones. And they are often bought many installations at a time that we then see years down the road. Um, if this is successful, if this is big, we're probably going to see this at a lot of other Six Flags parks. Yeah, and using Aquaman, I mean, that's just perfect. That's spot on. Power yeah. splash. Yep. Makes sense. 
So that's what's happening in Texas. Let's go to Florida, DJ. Walt Disney World, they're changing some things around. Well, we talked last episode, they're getting rid of magic bands, but is there something else? Uh, yes, unfortunately. Or, I don't know. I never made use of it, but they are <laughs> discontinuing the Magical Express service that was offered to resort guests. Mm-hmm. Now, are you very familiar with what the Magical Express was? I know that it was a bus system. It had kind of its own... You get off You get off your plane at the Orlando airport. You're in the terminal. Um, you have your signage for ground transportation. Oh, here's Enterprise. Here's Alamo. Your rent-a-cars. Oh, here's where Ubers go. Um, here's where taxis are. And then you have an own dedicated section that says Disney's Magical Express. And all I know is that they were red buses, I believe. They took you somewhere. I still don't know. I was assuming maybe the transportation center... That doesn't make too much sense to me. I'm really not sure. But I know it takes you somewhere close to Disney. I know it's designed to ease some headaches. And I know that it was free. That's about all I knew. I only recently learned that this was a free option for resort guests. And that surprised me a lot. Uh, Because you think about the Magical Express. It's Disney trying to bring a little bit of the convenience of the cruise line where they handle your luggage from start to finish when you're arriving, and it just shows up in your room, and you're transported directly to your hotel, in the case of Magical Express. Um, I was really surprised to see that this was a free option. Uh, I think you have to consider when it was implemented, perhaps. I don't know the date. I'm going to assume the 90s. Um, Oh, no, I think this was the late aughts, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, really? 2007, maybe? I don't know why I'm saying that, but I think that's when it was added. Well, then I'm probably making a fool out of myself. I was going to make the argument that, you know, in the 90s, you didn't have smartphones and you didn't have the conveniences you do now. That would be a pretty pretty cool deal. I'm sure a lot of people chose a resort to stay at Walt Disney World Resort because they could get on this Magical Express and kind of takes the headache out of things, but... If I'm comparing that to an Uber or Lyft who can be there exactly when I want them to be within, you know, 10 minutes, I'll probably pick that option every time. Right. And when Magical Express started, ride sharing was not something that was offered yet. I also have to remember 2007 was like 14 years ago. That blows my mind. Really? Already? Oh my goodness, you're right. Yes. <laughs> Quit thinking. <laughs> yeah. Well, Magical Express in 2022, in early January next year, just about a year from now, it will be going the way of the dodo. And they said mm. it will be replaced by something else. They didn't say what that was. Could it be, hmm. DJ? Could it be the train? It has to be. What else would it be? But I don't know if the train is on track. Ha! Oh, I mean, if not, though, it's just going to be another bus? I mean, it, or maybe an Uber specific to Disney? Like their own, I don't know, maybe there's a special feature when your Uber knows you're at Orlando Airport or in Orlando, you can activate a certain option that only takes you to Disney? I, I don't know. It's funny that you mention that because... This was one of the early cancellations resulting from the pandemic closures at Walt Disney World. There was something called the minivan, DJ. And this was a partnership Mm. with Lyft and Walt Disney World. I know about the minivan. Yeah, that was through Lyft, fulfilled through Lyft, I believe. But it was these vans that were decorated like Minnie Mouse and they would take you around the resort. Um, (laughs) That has been canceled and those are gone, at least for now. 
maybe that will be a stopgap between the end of the contract with Magical Express and the beginning of the trains functionality. It's hard to say, uh, but we will get more information as we get closer to it towards the end of the year as well. Uh, but it's definitely going to be interesting. I never made use of the Magical Express because I have never stayed on property at the Walt Disney World Resort. Even still, I, I think I would probably just save up the extra bucks at this point in time, in the day we're in now, 2007 obviously not, but I would just save up some money to get a lift there and be by myself and my family and, and just call it good. Hmm. Well, it'll be interesting to see what takes the place. I think it's going to be the train, but... I'm not sure if the train is going to be ready by then because they just announced these firm plans about right. a month ago and I don't know anything about train track construction. Maybe these are existing rails, maybe they're not. Um, we'll have to wait and see. Hard to say. Well, good thing that's the only thing we're losing at Walt Disney World. Oh, um, it's funny that you mentioned that, actually. Oh, no. Do you recall... Oh, no a certain thing as extra magic hours at the oh. Disney parks. Yes. Uh, something I never took advantage of. Definitely a bucket list item. Is that gone as well? Well, yes. This was another added perk for guests staying at the Disney resorts. Um, there would be a, a different park a day uh, during the week, I believe, that would have extra operating time only for the resort guests. Um, it's difficult to say exactly what it consisted of at Walt Disney World because most of my experience is with the Western Resort at Disneyland. Um, I know that they would alternate weekdays at the Disneyland Resort in the mornings based on um, those extra magic hours. It would be, I think, Disneyland either Monday, Wednesday, or Friday, or Tuesday and Thursday that would open an hour early, purely only for resort guests, and that would make up for a lot of opportunity for these guests to just hit a bunch of attractions before the really crowds build up in the park. Um, I assume it was a similar function at Walt Disney World, but extra magic hours, DJ, those are also going the way of the dodo. To be replaced by extra time at each park each day. These parks will now open 30 minutes early for resort guests at each park each day instead of one park having extra magic hours a day. Hmm. This is, when you think about it, it's a way to spread out the crowds because right. you'd think if Epcot has extra, extra magic hours on Tuesday, for example, you would probably expect Epcot to be busier with all, with all of the resort guests making use of right. the, that perk on the day that they visit. So that would be all those resort guests saying, hey, let's use Epcot for Tuesday. In this way, now they're going to be spreading out the crowds, managing capacity. It's another creative way to do that. Unfortunately, it is another added perk of days gone by for resort guests at Walt Disney World that is now gone. Just like free parking, free magic bands, the Magical Express. Yep. The losses are piling up for resort guests, and it's going to be interesting to see how they add back that value once people are really ready to travel en masse again. Well, and now they can tell all of their staff just, okay, we're just opening 30 minutes early. It's just, it's just normalcy. There's no, yep. no surprises, no worries on that. 
everyone, whether it's maintenance, whoever, you're just going to show up 30 minutes early, move along. It's uh, another change. I'll say at Walt Disney World, it is a period of change that we're in right now. Um, there will undoubtedly be more changes coming. Yep. But this is what we know so far. Well, that's what we have for our goings-on. How about a new sort of segment, a lightning round? We're going to talk about some quick happenings. And honestly, dear listener, it's just we don't have a lot to say about it. We might not have information (laughs) at hand. Maybe it's not extremely relevant, but just some things we want to bring up, let you know what's happening. Um, Chris, you want to start with the first one? Yeah, well, a lot of these things are follow-ups on things that we've talked and discussed in previous episodes. So this first piece that we have, it's Super Nintendo World at Universal Studios Japan. DJ, unfortunately, the grand opening of this amazing-looking section of this theme park in Osaka has been delayed. It was originally supposed to open in early February of this year. Unfortunately, that's not possible right now uh, because the park itself can't even remain open. Um, It has to close right now, and we will have to wait until later in the year before we see people in... uh, Super Nintendo World, unfortunately. Well, hopefully we're just drumming up demand, and and hopefully that's what that does. Let's go back to California real quickly, talk about Disneyland. Uh, Art, there is a planned mass vaccination that's going to be happening at Disneyland. It's one of these huge sites that uh, the state of California is doing. You hear all these different headlines about it. Um, One thing to note, though, yes, it is happening at Disneyland, but it's the Toy Story parking lot. So (laughs) the closest thing you'll be getting to is theme parking banners. So... uh, you will not be seeing uh, any vaccine, any needle near the uh, the castle. I'm sure that was somewhat intentional to put it in this location. Makes sense. We're just using it logistically. We're using it as a place to bring everybody together, to get everybody through quickly, um, make it easy to organize a little bit more. Um, and so got to appreciate Disneyland for allowing that, for sure. Yes, I think that a lot of the Disney bloggers and then the media, by extension, had a field day with this headline. They say, Disneyland is becoming a vaccination super site. It's the parking lot, people. Come on. <laughs> you can't Come even on. see Disneyland from the Toy Story parking lot. It's true, but it's not It's not what people think. They're not going to let people in the gates. You're not going to be in, in any of the areas of the actual park itself, of the themed areas, getting getting vaccines. It's just get people in right off the road, get them out. Yeah, it's good that they're able to use this resource of an enormous parking lot for this. uh, They've already put up all these huge white tents to vaccinate people in. More vaccines mean more progress towards a Disneyland reopening. So I guess it does really make sense for Disneyland to be a friend of the vaccination effort. Makes total sense. Makes total sense. And let's go back now to the East Coast. Uh, We're actually going to go up to New York. We're talking about Sesame Place. Yes, well, very close to New York. This will be in Pennsylvania, uh, they are opening up some winter events as well because they saw what Busch Gardens Williamsburg and SeaWorld San Antonio were doing and they didn't want to be left out. This is me, of course, personifying the parks, but you get the gist. In Sesame Place, they're going to be running two events. One of them is a weekend event that will run through late January through March. It'll be Elmo's Furry Fun Fest. It'll be a parade, a scavenger hunt, and a dance party. So it sounds like a lot of fun for the little ones. Right. And this is a standalone park. It's specifically designed for families with young children, uh, designed after Sesame Street. Basically, kind of a standalone Sesame Place like you'd find at some of the uh, uh, Busch Gardens and SeaWorld parks. 
Yes, it's a, a lot of it is a water park. I remember going when I was very little, and since then they have added a zippy little wooden coaster. But I don't know if I just have any plans to go anytime soon because it is such a park geared towards the little ones, and I am not that. I have plans to go soon. Oh, well, that sounds like it'll be fun. But they're also having another event during the winter uh, that is the 40th birthday drive through Because Sesame Street, it turned 40 recently. So on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, late January through late February, they're going to be having a drive through experience where you can see the parade and have other character interactions and merchandise opportunities and... Uh, other opportunities for spending. So that is a way to get people through the door at Sesame Place uh, using the hand, the cards that they were dealt with this uh, year. Yeah, that's a definitely a great way to do it. We've seen other parks do these drive-through experiences, so Sesame Place following up with that. And, uh, I mean, who wouldn't want to be three years old again and see Elmo for the first time in real life? Well, I'd say it's time to hit the brakes, but we are not done yet. We are not done yet, that's right, because we do have some big news that we premiered last episode, and we're going to continue and tell you about it this episode. We are now on the Facebook. So, we have that Facebook page, it's a good time. Sometimes we share yes. articles, sometimes we share pretty pictures that we've taken, and other times we just tell you about new episodes as they come. So, we are now on the Facebook. We'd encourage you to look up Corkscrew Convos on Facebook. Go ahead and smash that like button or a follow. I'm not sure which kind of button it is, but smash that button so that you are a part of the Corkscrew Convos community. Triple C. And we're good marketers here at Corkscrew Convos. We use Facebook to share those articles, long-form conversations, but we also are on other social media outlets as well. Twitter, of course, that's where you'll find uh, some some comments, some some quick comments on news that might have happened, some more interaction between you and us. Uh, and then we're also on Instagram, more photo-driven content, uh, some catchy captions here and there, uh, also a great time. Uh, and we also have email, corkscrewcombos at gmail.com. Now, why would we have a Gmail? Well, on both our Gmail, our Instagram, our Twitter, and our Facebook, you can send us a message, ask us any question you have, and just like a review, we will read it on the show, we will do our very best to answer it, and if we don't know the answer, we'll do our very best to sound as smart as possible and offer a potential <laughs> answer that could be right. Yes. Uh, but there's a reason to follow the show on each of these platforms, I've just told you why. A variety of uh, different content on each platform, we've got some memes as well, you'll find. Uh, Chris drops a pretty good meme here and there, and... Uh, it's just a great time to get involved with Corkscrew Convos, really. Yeah, it's a great opportunity to tell your friends about the show. Word of mouth is an invaluable tool. If you are just listening to the podcast, you're bobbing your head saying, yeah, that's great, and someone walks up to you and they say, huh, what are you listening to that's so great and has you so responsive? You would take that opportunity, dear listener, to tell them, oh, it's funny that you ask. I'm listening to a podcast called Corkscrew Convos. And the rest <laughs> is history. And also, if you're hearing this end of show business, you haven't already turned it off. Wow. We're 
deeply impressed with you. You're the bee's knees, but we also encourage you to subscribe, especially yeah. if you've made it this far. This is a great way to get the show delivered to you in a way that's not too uh, overarching. It, it's not going to spam you or anything, but if you're like me, I have my subscriptions on YouTube and some other some other different places, but I love how on YouTube I go to my subscriptions, watch things as they come up, uh, and watch them when I want to on my own schedule. Yeah, it just puts it in your queue, depending on what listening service that you use to listen to podcasts. It just puts it in the queue for you. So go ahead and subscribe, and it'll be a good time. And of course, we encourage you to leave that review on Apple. We'll read it out loud. We'll give you a shout out on the show. We've read a few reviews in the past. We want to keep doing that. So make sure and leave us a review. And also tell us to tell tell about us to your friends. Uh, get the word out there. If it's something you think they'd be interested in, even if they have any inclination in theme parks in the industry, maybe they just need something to listen to when they're when they're driving to their job or or they're working on the house at home, whatever it might be. Uh, let them know. Let them know. We would appreciate it. So until next time, my name is Chris. And my name's DJ. And this has been another Corkscrew Convo. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone.